the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, nutrition, and fitness related. I'm your host, Brandon Woolley, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. How's it going, Brandon? Good. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good. Doing good. What are we talking about today? Oh, what should we choose? There's swarms of locusts. There's <laughs> absurd heat. We were just joking before the show started. It's like, of course, it's 2020. Why not? Yeah, of course Why there's a swarm of locusts. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be a swarm of locusts? Giant cloud of dust moving from this Sahara desert. A weird weird year still. I'm still kind of in shock. But, we uh, should just take a vote. Just It's 2021. <laughs> we're calling it now. Is there a slaughter rule <laughs> in baseball? Yeah, that's right. That's what we need. 2020 needs a slaughter rule. The locust was the tipping point. It's like, no, the game's over. It's 2021 now. Today, I thought it'd be fun to talk about fat. 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 We're going to the grocery store a lot more regularly, and it's harder and harder not to reach for the comfort foods, it feels like. Yeah, it really is. And what we were discussing earlier is the restaurant industry may change too. I was on another podcast earlier today, just interesting local restaurants and the fact that they're just not meant to survive at the 50% open rate that they can, they can have in their dining room. And so there's a story of a local restaurant that made, used to make a significant amount on a Friday night, only making like $200. And it's just the beginning of the end that they had to close down. And some experts are saying that 40% of restaurants are going to go out of business because of this, yeah. which is crazy. And it's the birth of a whole new type of dining, which is curbside. Yeah. And so what that means effectively is like these mom and pop slash local restaurants that have a different caliber of meal can now c- compete with your Chick-fil-A's and your, like your fast dining solutions can now compete because they got curbside. So you can get it in the same amount of time. And I don't know what that means for the health of everything. Maybe it's good. Maybe there's healthier options at some of these restaurants than others, but it certainly is going to change stuff up. And, yeah. and it's not going to be because that we don't want to dine out anymore. Cause I think people still want to dine out. They still want to have the experience. It's just the, it might not work as an industry as a model. They might have to figure something different out. So maybe we'll come up with something completely different other than curbside. That will be like the new normal. You know, the movie idiocracy Yes. And in the future, uh, every single restaurant, even the fancy restaurants, are Taco Bells. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like where, where we're headed. Maybe Sonic already has like the market corner. They're already kind of a drive-in, right? Well, yeah. what if somebody figured out <laughs> to just, instead of ice cream trucks, it's just food trucks. Yeah. And they just, they got a different song that comes on, and there's your food. <laughs> you run out and you grab your French fries. Yeah, I would have a jungle juice uh, truck, and I just play "Welcome to the Jungle." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Maybe this is the rise of the food trucks too. We were talking a couple episodes about micro gyms and how that's an adaptation that's happening now, and a lot of personal trainers are opening up micro gyms to help with the people that um, unfortunately can't go to the gym anymore. And that's a whole other industry that's in trouble. Maybe there's a whole new like traveling food thing that's coming up. It could be, and, and it already, a chef to your house with their own truck, and they're going to prepare your meal. <laughs> I never thought about that, yeah. But there seemed to be a trend of restaurants adding a truck to to what they offer. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, yeah we were just talking with Johnny from Johnny's Pizza, and they're adding a food truck. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Why not? I would run outside if I saw a food truck going through my neighborhood. The problem with food trucks is you never see the dumb things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
So I think they tend to go to like like larger areas where there's more foot traffic. Right, so. right, because they want to make money. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe like the larger developments, like housing developments, they go like park at the clubhouse. Well, I don't know if it works. I don't know much about food trucks, but I imagine they got to plug them up and they need electricity and stuff. And I don't know if you can just drive around and cook. <laughs> I don't think that's... Well, without a generator. I don't think yeah. that's very practical. Plus, yeah. it would be tough to keep your balance in the back of the thing when it's driving around. <laughs> Probably not going to work. Well, anyway. Um, speaking of fats. Speaking of fats <laughs> and healthier food options. Uh, one of the first things that I wanted to talk about on this episode all about fat is where does fat come from? And I think there's this huge misnomer that fat comes from eating fats. And um, I'm not saying that eating fat can't contribute to different cholesterol changes, but not nearly to the effect of something a lot more insidious. Do you know what that is, Joe? Mm-mm. It's sugar, dude. So let's think about where cholesterol numbers start to increase and start to create arterial plaque. What actually causes this is not you eat fat and now you have a fatty deposit. It's blood sugar fluctuations. If you're eating a lot of wheat, grain, corn, and dairy, high sugar foods, corn syrup, and things like that, you get these massive fluctuations. And that sets off stress and cortisol imbalances that then trigger glucose to change. And this glucose sticks to the walls of your arteries and your blood vessels and things like that. And cholesterol is actually the good guy. It comes in to come and repair that. Which is so different than what we heard growing up. That cholesterol was this evil thing that was going to kill your father and you had to convince your dad to eat Cheerios. (laughs) Right, which is sweet (laughs) grain and corn and causes high cholesterol. In order to fix your cholesterol, this is probably the main takeaway and we're going to hit it a few more times. You want to fix your blood sugar. So actual cholesterol that's let out, that's kind of like firemen putting out a fire. And we've used this analogy on the show in the past. So people had always thought, well, uh, every time we cut somebody open who's died from heart disease, we see cholesterol grouping there. So it's got to be cholesterol that's the cause, but it's not. That's like blaming firefighters because they're at the scene of every fire. So it's actually sent into repair. Now, however, an over-mobilization of cholesterol is a problem and makes them the bad guy. So they're a good thing that your body lets out to repair the damage. However, if your body can't keep up with the amount of arterial damage happening because of the amount of sugar you're eating, that's when it really starts to build up and create those deposits. So if you overdo it on the sugar side, eat more than your body can process, then your body, in attempts to fix it, right. overcreates something else that actually ends up causing problems. Right. So that's when we start seeing this damming of the arterial Uh, blood flow supply. And that's Um, what leads to heart attacks? Correct. Yeah. You got it. So if you want to fix your cholesterol, you got to fix your blood sugar. Which is funny because most people go straight for pills. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, when you eat a high sugar food like wheat, grain, corn, dairy, high fructose corn syrup, cereals, things like that, of course, it creates a sugar spike. And when your sugar is spiked, you know, the hypothalamus in your brain is suppressed. So now you don't have proper hunger cues, which means you don't know if you're full and you keep craving things. It blocks your body from being able to break down fat. And it also uh, keeps it from being able to oxidize it. So it can't even effectively get rid of it even during exercise as well if you have a really high uh, blood sugar level at that point, which is part of some of the debate. Should you eat before workout, after workout? It really depends. You know, if you're going for performance, maybe you want a little bit of a spike before. If you're going for fat loss, we may recommend that you have maybe something lower in sugar pre-workout and then maybe a little bit higher carbohydrate snack post-workout. 
so that you get some of those benefits while working out. Now, when you have a sugar crash, which happens from a spike, um, that's when you get really, really fatigued. You know, your cortisol and stress response goes up. So now you're irritable. And then hunger, of course, you, you know, you're going to get, you mean, I just ate. Why am I hungry again? I and mean, it has a lot to do with those spikes and crashes. Is that part of the reason why people always say that you're hungry, like right after you eat Chinese food again? Exactly. Yeah. Because it's got so much vegetable oil and so much... The sugar component. Sugar, yeah. And and it may have something to do with monosodium glutamate, MSG. Yeah. Which I haven't studied in great detail. But they all say on their signs that it's no MSG. Apparently that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but now they don't put it in the labels as MSG. It says monosodium glutamate. And people go, I don't know. It just sounds like another fancy word. And they gloss <laughs> over it. Yeah. Uh, so be careful of that. So that could be one of the big contributing factors as to why. Because you're crashing. It's a sugar crash. Oh, yeah. After a big Chinese meal. Yeah. Because I like orange chicken. Oh, my god. And I know in the wild that chicken does not taste like delicious sweet oranges. <laughs> <laughs> so, it doesn't. So I know yeah. that it's probably not like... They're using a very healthy orange and some chicken. Yeah. That's not what's going into well, it. Well, think about your standard Americanized Chinese. I'm, I'm sure that's what I'm referring yeah. to. Yeah, um, you got you got rice, right? Mm-hmm. So that's wheat and grain. Then you got the egg roll, which is flour and all kinds of stuff, which is wheat and grain. And then you have lo mein noodles, which is all kinds of wheat and grain. You have the chicken is breaded with the wheat and grain product, right. and then it's tossed in some glazed sugary mess. So I don't ever remember hearing growing up and all the classes on the food pyramid or, or nutrition classes that wheat was a high source of sugar no in fact they said hey eat 11 servings of it it's good for you yeah it was on the bottom of the flipping pyramid (laughs) it's so it's hard to kind of undo that training i'm kind of glad for this new generation of kids that aren't going to grow up with this new kind of teaching well i don't know what they're teaching in school nowadays i don't know how much has changed i don't know it's it's been a while for me joe or what they're teaching online (laughs) i guess oh gosh not in school yeah, I think they get most of their information from Reddit now. <laughs> it's my an urban dictionary. A couple of symptoms and things that can happen from from a high blood sugar or either chronically elevated or spikes and crashes is increase estrogen in men. So we hear about the dreaded moobs, the man boobs. <laughs> the boobs. Um, so increases in estrogen in men can lead to that, and that's primarily sugar related. Could also so I don't think that's surprising though. Like common sense says, eat a lot of sugar, you're going to get fat, and yeah. get man boobs. Yeah. But the fact that it comes in spikes, it's estrogen. That's disconcerting. Now it can also increase testosterone in women, leading to polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is very common. Mm. Very, very common in women, and that leads to uh, fertility issues, which can be heartbreaking and life-altering, uh, very painful cysts that bursts, sometimes requiring, requiring surgery, incredible cystic acne that's just horrible. Um, and once again, the women get the short end of the, of the short straw. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. Get, they get increased testosterone with all those negative effects, and guys are like, man, yeah. man boobs. Yeah, man boobs. Yeah. <laughs> now, it could also increase your sensitivity to cortisol, which is stress hormone. And then it could also increase insulin, which promotes more fat storage and all kinds of other issues. Also, high and low blood sugar, this is very important, and we'll bring this up again later, creates low T in men, low testosterone. So there's a couple main causes of, of low testosterone in men. Honestly, I would look at sleep first. That's going to create the most dramatic shift, but also your blood sugar can have a lot to do with that. Mm. With low blood sugar, that can, uh, over time, can create a permanent increase in insulin, not just a short term. Also associated with PCOS in women and will also cause cortisol spikes. So high is not good. Low is not good. We're trying to stabilize this bad boy. Right. 
with these highs and lows, that's why we get some of those cravings for sweets, especially after meals, after it drops. We just talked about the Chinese food, right? Yeah. So this is specifically a craving for sweets. So if you're the kind of person that after dinner's over, now you really want something sweet, that's an indicator that your blood sugar just crashed? Potentially could. And then with low blood sugar, of course, that's when we get irritable, shaky, headaches between meals. So if it's spiking and crashing all day long, it just puts us in the cycle of, oh, thank God I stopped that craving. Oh, man. Then it crashes. Oh, my God. I need something to bring that blood sugar back up. Yeah. Did you ever watch the movie Supersize Me with Morgan Spurlock? I did. I remember in the movie, he he was eating McDonald's every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he described a phenomenon kind of like, I think it was maybe 15, 20 days in, where it's like he would feel like garbage until he could get some McDonald's. And then like it would only last for like 10 minutes. And yep. then it would feel like garbage again. Absolutely. I remember that as a kid. I, I grew up on McDonald's. Um, flipping love. The, I don't know how they cut those onions so small. Yeah. How do they do that? <laughs> and what is a water onion? I've never seen one in the store. It, it has the texture of an onion, but none of the flavor. <laughs> uh, they used to have 39 cent burger night. Oh man. We were there every time. And we mm. play in that playpen in the, in the ball pit, pit with yeah. all kinds of. That's over things. now. There'd never be another ball pit in COVID yeah. land. Probably not. <laughs> I did want to say one great habit to get into to help with some of that blood sugar spike after a meal is now, of course your glucose is going to go up no matter what you eat, even if it's probably flipping celery or so probably go up a little bit. But one of the things you can do to help stabilize blood sugar is uh, post meal going for a walk. Because it's going to your muscles are going to use up glycogen, which is going to help reduce some of the blood sugar floating around in your in your bloodstream. So so exercise that's why they recommend uh, going for a walk after your meals, and it helps with digestion and your moving and all kinds of other stuff. Any kind of weight training and is going to help with that. So if you're on the border, if you're pre diabetic, if you have diabetes, that's why strength training could be so effective. When you're using your muscles, it's reducing blood sugar in your bloodstream, um, and converting it to glycogen for energy in the muscle. So weight-bearing activity is, is fantastic. That'd be a good habit to get into. Take a little stroll after you eat. Yeah, yeah, pump some iron. Uh, now, a lot of people can't do hard exercise after eating. They'll get sick, but... I like to exercise while I eat. While you eat. <laughs> yeah. Chicken wing bite, two curls. Chicken wing bite, three curls. When it comes to high blood sugar in the past, we've always gone straight to, okay, I got to cut out all carbs, at least recent history, you know, Atkins style diet. But that may not be the only thing. You know, a good analogy is if uh, you have poor squat form, for instance, if you're strength training, we wouldn't immediately say. He doesn't see that, but he pointed at me when he said, if you have poor <laughs> squat form. <laughs> it's not terrible. A little bit of <laughs> little bit too forward in the forefoot, but you know, it could be a number of different things. Uh, it may not be just a flexibility thing. Maybe also you have poor core strength and that's not allowing your body to segment properly, or it could also be neurological and uh, we need to do muscle patterning exercises to get a better, I mean, it could be all kinds of things. Same with blood sugar. You don't want to go straight to, okay, I need to go on a low carb or no carb diet because it could also be low protein intake, which can inhibit some of that buffering of sugar. Protein helps to buffer how that blood sugar is hitting your bloodstream could be magnesium deficiency which most americans are uh, deficient in magnesium could be stress and sleep related people don't know this but one night of poor sleep like we talked about on the sleep episode can 
read your blood sugar the next day, the same as a type 2 diabetic if you're perfectly healthy. So, so poor sleep is super stressful on the body. It changes stress and cortisol hormones, which also change insulin and what blood sugar is doing. So that makes a big difference too. So we want to address all those things and try and get to the root of what's causing it. Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook, read the testimonials, and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. This is the fat episode, so it wouldn't be a fat episode without talking about a gentleman named Ansel Keys. Do you know who the heck that is? Ansel Keys. No, I, I can say his name. Ansel Keys was a lipid scientist from the 50s, and he created a study trying to prove that fat consumption led to heart disease. There's a lot of debate that some of the data he used for his experimentation was cherry-picked to prove his theory. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know what actually happened. But because of this study, this is why they started coming out with margarine and vegetable oils, which were supposed to be healthier. And that's why all of our parents today are afraid of fat and afraid to eat bacon and things like that. Now, I'm not saying you should eat all the fat you want and, and just go nuts, But like we discussed earlier, the primary cause of cholesterol issues and heart disease is sugar intake, not healthy fats. But I would consider healthy fats to be avocados, uh, fats from properly sourced meats, nuts, almonds, walnuts, pecans, eggs, things like that. So what was going on in the scientific community that everybody just believed this guy and nobody else tried to duplicate the results? That's a fantastic question. I'd, I'd love to, to have a little bit more insight. Uh, a good resource, probably the foremost modern expert on fats is going to be Dr. Catherine Shanahan. And she has a book called Deep Nutrition. And the first 220 pages is just kind of slamming Ansel Keys <laughs> and um, really goes into detail explaining why these types of fats are damaging, goes down to the molecular structure. So if, if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty, uh, I would recommend uh, you pick up that book. It, it's, it's pretty in depth. Who she is, she's actually the dietitian for the Los Angeles Lakers, or at least was at the time. And she, when she took over the team's diet plans, their injury rates went way down, like the recovery time sped way up. And a big component of that was understanding how fats impact the body. But also she did a lot of research into bone broth and collagen and what they do for joint and tissue repair and things like that. So, but Dr. Catherine Shanahan is an absolute treasure. Uh, I would check out some of her work. She also has a blog with a really cool chart that tells you good, better, and best fats to use. 
Going back to this Ansel Keys guy. So after that study, uh, there were large subsidies for and different incentives for farmers to produce corn and corn-based products and vegetable oil and soybean oil and cottonseed oil. Was that related to the study or was that just? Yeah. Yeah, it was a direct result of the study. But anyway, because of that, we still have this belief system that's been perpetuated. So if we would have had a different study, we would have had subsidies for like avocado. And so avocado would have been as common as corn. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the problem with vegetable oils. They're polyunsaturated fatty acids. And when they're refined, they're heat treated, they're processed. Some are treated with hexane, which is a component of diesel fuel and all kinds of other things. They interact poorly with our system. A really good analogy would be, have you ever put varnish on a piece of wood? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, so you get that hardened coating, right? Right. Uh, I guess what it's primarily made of? Vegetable oil. Vegetable oil, (laughs) exactly. Now, I'm sure it's not the exact same fact, but the vegetable oil over time does harden arteries and blood vessels and reduces its elasticity. There's a very interesting study where they had somebody do a blood pressure cuff reading and then measured its ability to dilate after the cuff was released to, to release all that back uh, blood flow. Right. They did it again after you ate a bunch of fast food French fries and it was a 90% reduction in ability to dilate. The analogy is it does similar things to your body as if you were to drink some varnish. Kind of, yeah. And it just kind of hardens up everything for a while, but varnish yeah. obviously never softens back up. Right, right. But your body's... More but more in the case that. of varnish, you put it on dead wood, not live wood. So Correct. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's another interesting um, study that proved that uh, a lot of people with ED, that's erectile dysfunction. I feel like I should have a sound effect for that. Just felt sh- like it was the right time to <laughs> push a sound effect A lot of men think it's a testosterone issue, low testosterone, but oftentimes it could be more of a vegetable oil issue. Because think about this, if you're not able to have those blood vessels dilate, you're going to have issue with getting blood flow to certain areas. And it also reduces nitric oxide and all kinds of other things needed for that to happen. So if any of my listeners out there are or know of somebody that is struggling with ED, I'm sure that's what your friends talk about. Make sure you're considering what types of oils are in your diet. And fast food is always, always, always going to use vegetable oil or peanut oil. Now, peanut oil is sometimes okay, especially if it's from a pure source. It's not the best, though. But here's the thing. Even if it's a better sourced oil in a fast food restaurant, when we cook at home, we use oil once typically and then get rid of it. A restaurant will recycle that same oil for up to a month. And the longer it's cooked and heated, the more oxidized it becomes, meaning the more damaging it is to blood vessels. So just a couple things to consider. Is there such a thing as a healthy French fry, like made in an oil that's not bad for you? Sure. You know, if if they're done in coconut oil, avocado oil is probably better for high heat. So certain oils have uh, different smoke points. I would say like sesame oil and avocado oil would probably be better things to fry things in. But that would make it much, much better, Uh, especially if you're using sweet potato or red potato as opposed to a russet. So that would be a much, much better French fry. Air frying is a thing, too. I've never tried an air fryer, but that would take the oil completely out of the equation, I guess. So good fats. We talked about olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, um, almond oil, things like that, unrefined oils. Okay, but not great is going to be refined peanut, refined avocado, and refined coconut. Remember, the refining process changes the molecular structure, and the more it's refined and processed, the worse it is for you. 
And then the things you never want to eat, canola should be at the top of your list, corn oil, safflower, sunflower, so vegetable oil of any kind. Hydrogenated, remember, is directly leads to trans fats, which we know is a causation of heart disease. And of course, you know, your fake whipped creams and things like that, stuff like Cool Whip, it's going to have hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated oils in it. So be careful of stuff like that. Any kind of margarine, country crock, I can't believe it's not butter, all that type of stuff is going to be primarily uh, vegetable oil. We're going to talk about statin drugs. So people with high blood pressure and cholesterol issues are often uh, recommended to take a statin. Now, there might be a very small percentage of the population who are given these that it's actually helpful for, but most it's probably not. And I'm not saying to stop, take your statin right now, throw it out and call your doctor an idiot. I'm just saying consider a couple things. Statin drug, just to give you some examples, because I'm sure you've seen the ads, you've got your Lipitor, your Ultraprev, your Levola, Nikita, they all sound like ninjas. Yeah. Uh, Zocar, <laughs> Crestor, all the commercials that you've seen, you know, I love the way that they do marketing for commercials. Like their life was not great and now they kayak. That's basically all the, all the, all the commercials. <laughs> That's right. They're either playing tennis or kayak. Yeah, and walking their dog on the beach. Yep, exactly. So, so statins are supposed to lower cholesterol. Remember, we, did, we established that cholesterol are the good guys and they repair damage. Now, another type of fat is responsible for something called myelin, myelin sheath coating. Uh, so all of your neurons are coated in something called myelin. And it's like a fatty deposit. And the more times you do something, the stronger the connection is and the more myelin coating around the neurons. That's how we get better at things. Now, if you're predisposed or have something like Parkinson's or a, or a neurodegenerative disease, taking a statin is stopping your foot on the accelerator to increase that disease's spread um, and worsening. So it's not necessarily a good idea to, to, to go no fat, low fat, or try and, and, and eliminate. Now, some people are in health crisis where they probably do need the statin. But I wouldn't jump there first. I would do your best to try some dietary change first because of the other side effects that happen with a statin. So just something to, to consider. Now, another thing people may not know is there's actually a tie-in with your gut and heart disease. In episode after episode, we've talked about wheat grain, corn, soy, dairy, and something called leaky gut. And those items containing that lectin protein and gluten and all kinds of things that perforate the lining of your small intestines. Well, that is something else that cholesterol is upregulated to come take care of. If you're eating a lot of foods that are bad for the lining of your small intestines and your gut health, that can also increase cholesterol and, and lead to heart disease as well. So that's important to understand. And all this happens from a process called glycation. All glycation is is sugar molecules stick to proteins and damage whatever that protein is, whether it's aligning your small intestines, blood vessels, whatever. And the body goes, oh, man, that's damaged and have more cholesterol. Right. So that's kind of what's happening there. What would you say to somebody that might just be on the typical American diet? Where's the place to start? Because you've mentioned on the show before, you know, it's about a sustainable plan. What's the thing you'd cut out first? Uh, specifically related to cholesterol? Yeah. Or, uh, I would say sugar. Cut back on your sugar. Yep, yep. The number one way to fight cholesterol isn't to cut out fats. It's to regain insulin sensitivity by lowering blood sugar, at least keeping it stable. So if you're used to ice cream and shakes and lots of breads and wheats and grains and corns and pastas and cereals, I would start there. Then after that, I would start looking at eating more fibrous foods and increasing protein. Fiber attaches itself to sugar and helps settle it out of the body so it negates some of the effect. 
I remember we had a guest on Adam and he was talking about how he, he drastically changed his diet and just started eating a bunch of celery. (laughs) And uh, I think it was like a couple of weeks later or maybe even on the show, you were like, I wonder like how much of a role that had to do with like his body's conversion from a super high sugar diet to like uh, a much more healthier state because he was eating a crazy amount of celery, which has fiber. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it is the fiber, which also keeps you feeling full and has all kinds of micronutrients. And it's stuff. interesting salary diet we should pitch right there. <laughs> Don't recommend that. If you're going to eat poorly, for every French fry, you have to eat a stick of salary. <laughs> <laughs> that would do it. Holy crap. One French fry, one, one stick, stick of salary. <laughs> oh, man. We'd have people blowing up like birds eating bird seed at a wedding, right? Or, or birds probably, eating rice at a wedding. You could really only eat five or six pieces of French fry. One or the other would happen. Blood sugar, cutting out all those types of things, and then starting to increase more types of vegetables and things like that in the diet, cutting out the vegetable oil so that you regain elasticity in your blood vessels. But now that so many people are doing curbside, we've been doing that kava place more often because we were close to it. You have healthier options that you can pick up curbside as we're getting more and more used to having alternatives to quick food because now you can just quickly open up the app of the healthy restaurant that you like make your order and it takes about as long as driving through McDonald's. Yeah. Thanks to this whole new curbside curbside phenomenon. Yeah. It's not bad. It's kind of a Mediterranean place. You can make a bowl. They got like forbidden rice, black lentils, all kinds of stuff. The lamb is good. A lot of fermented uh, veggies in there. Yep. And then uh, core life, core life eatery. That's one of my favorites. I'm kind of really digging the whole curbside thing. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm an inside. I like to go in the restaurant. I like to socialize. I like the people watch. Yeah. So I'll have to find some new hobbies, I guess. <laughs> you can go to the curbside and just watch people pick up their food. There you are. <laughs> well, I started woodworking. Yeah. Poorly. I can't promise anything I build structurally sound, but I have fun doing it. <laughs> it takes a while to get the skills up. Oh, my gosh. I'm on my third redesign of this half wall thing, and it's still not really getting anywhere. That it's been one of the one of the upsides of COVID is that it's allowed us to a little bit more time back that we used to either devote to commuting or busy work that people have to develop into hobbies and new interests. Absolutely. The, the family and I did a... We went out to... Hobby Lobby when when they reopened and we went and bought everything all the titanium white and the thallum blue and all the Bob Ross colors we went and bought all the paints and uh, brushes so that we could all four of us set up and we watched Joy of Painting and, ah. we, and we did a Bob Ross painting and uh, my daughters looked pretty well the rest of us struggled yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny it was a lot of pause it go back I don't know what's he doing ah. <laughs> happy tree yeah he's like a wizard yep. he's like and then you do this and you got a forest no that's not how it worked Bob <laughs> I did I felt like I tried to do the same thing it did not go my way that's okay it's a happy accident <laughs> it's Joe. a happy accident my yeah. whole painting is a happy accident <laughs> so to kind of wrap things up some key takeaways cholesterol in Food isn't necessarily 100% correlated with increased cholesterol in your bloodstream. Sugar's kind of the biggest issue there. Be careful with statin, statin drugs. Don't jump right to that unless you're in imminent danger. Talk to your doctor before making any changes. Now, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I've done a ton of research and worked with a lot of people. Various forms of diets, you know, when you're thinking about an approach, I wouldn't jump straight to Atkins or low carb because uh, for some people it's not right, can cause some crashes, cause some hormonal issues that aren't great. 
Vegetable oils are not great for you. Do your best to avoid them. It's almost impossible to avoid altogether. It's even in salad dressings for Pete's sake. But I try and make my own dressings. Vinaigrettes are really easy. It's olive oil, a little bit of honey, minced garlic seasonings, some kind of acid base like lemon juice or vinegar. Uh, And you can pretty much make all kinds of flavors of vinaigrettes. One of the concerns with fast food is the oxidation of those oils and how many times they reuse it. So even though you may think you're getting a healthier option, if it was cooked in that oxidated oil, you, you know, it's still a problem. So be careful of that, which is the problem with veggie straws too, by the way. <laughs> it's straight up canola oil. I started watching a new sitcom. Well, it's new to me. I mean, it's been around for forever, but there was an episode of Big Bang Theory where they were trying to change a tire and they wanted to basically apply some fire to it to try to get it to have a reaction so that the lug nut would get loosened. And I didn't know this, but they had nacho chips in the car. And so they lit those on fire and they light up like a torch. Oh my gosh, because the amount of oil Because they're all oil. Holy cow. They're a great fire starter, apparently. You know what? I remember throwing some in a campfire and being impressed. <laughs> it's this like a was, whoosh. Yeah, it was like 20 years ago in Scouts. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, if you're caught out in the wilderness or if you're on your way on a large to a camping trip, maybe you should pick up a big bag of Tostitos <laughs> and that'll really help you get your fire started. There you go. I just got, I moved into a new house. We have a fire pit. Maybe I'll test that out. Yeah, give it a shot. See, that would be funny because the Tostadas would be a lot cheaper than buying the fire starter logs. <laughs> if that works, we might've found something for all that government subsidy money. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Finally, especially since the world's ending, who knows how long we'll have electricity. I might so. have to get really good at starting fires and I used, I used to have that Flint spark kit. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've seen so those. On, they showed up on my Instagram feed in force. Oh, as a kid, that was the coolest thing in the universe. And it made me want one. Oh, man. I would spark that thing until I got blister on my thumb from pulling the knife. Hopefully, you, you learned some fun and engaging things today that you can apply to your diet. If you have any detailed questions, if you want to get started with a plan, if you want to set up a consult or... Yeah, now you got your micro gym up and going. Now I got my micro gym. Got about 10 grand worth of equipment. Contact me at 919-285-8906 or firewithinnf at gmail.com. We'll get you started with the plan. I work out with Brandon. He's my personal trainer. And it feels like going to the gym. It's all the same equipment, but... Unlike the gym, Brandon has the ability to clean stuff. He doesn't have 100 people coming in there. It's just a lot safer alternative for the people that really miss the gym. And it might be the time for you if you've been thinking, man, I just can't work out without the gym. Maybe you ought to think about calling up a personal trainer. And if it's not me, find somebody that can help get you to your goals safely. How many of your clients come to your micro gym and how many of them are virtually trained? It's half and half now. They go to people's houses too. They have their own micro gym. Yeah. No, well, not really. They'll have like some bands and a set of dumbbells. I think it would be fun. We should consider doing an episode on like home fitness equipment because I see this big rise in these super convertible sideways TVs that the trainers are on them (laughs) and you spend $5,000 on the unit and then it's $80 a month for the classes. Yeah. But some of my virtual clients, they just said, hey, this is all the equipment I have. Let's create a plan. And I'll create a plan specific to the equipment they have and help progress them. So thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode. Or another also, be sure to follow us on social media.